0: Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, and in this refocus series, uh, we've been looking at, we're going to be looking at Jesus's parables. We looked at, you know, a parable last week of, of the sower soil, soil and, uh, you know, all the different soils and all that, those things, and, and this week we're going to be looking at another parable, and, and next week we'll be looking at another parable of Jesus, and, and a parable, this was just a familiar story that Jesus would use uh, that would be familiar to his audience, you know, a familiar theme. He would tell stories about farming. He would tell stories about fishing. He'd tell stories about uh, treasure hunts, about banquets, about architecture, about investing, and all these things that people, would knew, people knew or people could relate to, so it would help them to understand these truths that were just you know, beyond them, that if these were deep spiritual truths, or they had a question, it was just like, I don't get this, I don't understand this, and Jesus would use these stories to help us refocus on what was most important. See, oftentimes Jesus would have a crowd of people around him, and somebody would ask a difficult question. Uh, maybe it was you know, Jesus, why do you always hang around sinners and eat with them? Like that just doesn't seem right. You're supposed to be this godly man, and and you're hanging around these people. So he'd get asked that question, or maybe he'd get asked the question. Uh, another difficult question got asked was, my my father just died, and we've got me and my brother. Who should get the inheritance, Jesus? right? And that's a difficult question. Today, some of you guys have probably asked that question, who gets the inheritance? You know, that's a difficult one. It causes some tension. So Jesus would get these difficult questions, and he would try to answer them, not just straight up, but he would give them the story to help put it in the right perspective. Because a lot of times, we can get focused on the wrong thing. We can get so caught up in the problem that we can't see the solution, even though it might be obvious. Uh, This happened to me the other day. I was, uh, our I went into our laundry room, and there was water all over the floor. I was like, okay, something is wrong here. I noticed there was a problem. If there's water on your floor in your laundry room, you're doing something wrong. So I'm looking at it and and trying to find the leak, trying to figure out what was going on, and and I tore the washer apart. I mean, I just, I went in, and I thought, you know, we could get it fixed, but I'm not going to let some strange man come into my house and operate on this thing. I'm a man. I can fix this thing. And so I, I go to town. I mean, I'm pulling out the gasket. I've got it all. I even took the drum out. Like, I, I, I went all out. I was watching YouTube videos left and right. And I could see what was happening. Like, I could see, all right, there's this pipe here, and there's water coming out of it. And that's wrong. So I've got that knowledge. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe this is like it's overflowing there and it's supposed to be like that and I'm searching through it and I'm trying to find if there's any mistake and there was another spot and there was like another pipe coming down on a completely different side of the washer and it's like that's weird that that's dangling but it doesn't seem to be causing any difficulties here and you know I just I couldn't figure it out I couldn't figure it out I probably took the thing apart three times thinking okay I got it this time and started up again and nope finally I gave in and I called the repairman and and he came out and uh You know, I told him, this is what I did, this is how I did it, and and he opens up the back, he looks at it, well, you see that tube that's leaking, and that tube that you think's doing nothing? Connect them. (laughs) He fixed it in four minutes, and I paid him for a whole hour, so he sat there feeling bad for me, he's like, let me show you some other things about your washer, like, you did a really good job, like, now you're just patronizing me, like, "Uh." Just like, oh, the problem was right in front of my face the whole time, but I was so caught up in the this is broken that I couldn't figure out how to fix it. And, and in life, we, we tend to do that. We, we get so focused on the problem that we just need somebody to refocus and just show us, like, guys, it's, it's not that complicated. It's simple. And that's what Jesus would do with these parables. He'd tell parables about, uh, you know, the end times or how to pray or what's heaven like, and people would get so caught up in the details of those things. You know, we still do that today. The end times, we can, we can get so caught up in when is Jesus coming back? What, what signs do we need to be looking for? How do we do that? And we get so caught up in, in all this end times things, and, and sometimes Jesus would just pull back and be like, guys, you're not going to figure it out. It can come at any time. The key is that you just need to be ready. Like, just be ready. It doesn't matter when I come back. Just be ready for me to come back at any moment. You just need to have a prepared heart, right? So he would use these parables to help us focus on the right thing to help us refocus, get it off the problem, and look at how we need to live our lives. So again, he used these these stories to take these deep spiritual truths and put them in an easy-to-understand way. So in Luke chapter 10, uh, we're going to start with verse 25 today, and this kind of sets up the situation for the parable that Jesus tells. In verse 25, it says this, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And the lawyer answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. We'll pause there for a moment. And this translation, it says lawyer. Some of your translations, it might say an expert in the law. And you're like, what? Uh, but I, I like that it says lawyer in the translation. I'm using the ESV today. I like that it says lawyer because I think it helps us understand and, and put it in our present-day context. Here we've got uh, a lawyer, someone who had studied the law, someone who had studied, you know, cases and how different things worked out. And he does a lot of research to find every loophole in the system, right? You know how lawyers work. They're they're always trying to find just the little details uh, that you know, they can get their client off in, or they can win their case in, right? Some of you guys have experienced this. Maybe you've been on a, a witness stand before, or you've been uh, on jury duty, or maybe you've just watched a lot of criminal justice shows, and like, you know, all the lawyer talk out there, and, and you're just a fan. But you can kind of relate, right? Jesus is on trial uh, in, in this Luke chapter 10, and this lawyer is putting him to the test. And so the, the lawyer asks him, you know, he's kind of setting him up. He He's working his ways, and he says, "Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life?" So Jesus turns it around on him a little bit, and he's like, "Well, you're a lawyer, right? You you've read the law. You 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 know what we're talking about. What do you need to do? What do you think you need to do to inherit eternal life? How do you interpret it?" So the lawyer, you know, thinks about it for a second, and and he's an expert in the law. He knows at that time the law would have been the first. Well, present day, the first five books of the Bible—Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers—all those—all those things. So he—he he had those down. He probably had them memorized. He knew all the commandments. You know, we know the Ten Commandments, but if you look in there, there's actually 631 commandments that that God gives us, and all these little details of how to live your life and all that stuff. And and so he's trying to boil it down. What it, what's the most important things? What do I need to do? And and he responds with. The two commandments that sum them all up. He says, I need to, to love God with everything that I have, and I need to love my neighbor as, as myself. And Jesus tells him, you're right. Lawyer, you got it right. Uh, do this and you'll live. Now, if I'm the lawyer in this case, I'm on top of the world. Right? You know that feeling when you're in class and you raise your hand and the teacher calls on you and you have the right answer? Like, the lawyer just got the right like that. I'm like, yes, you know, this is good. And the rest of my life, I'm going to be telling all my friends. I mean, they're going to get sick of this story. I'm going to be like, hey, guys, remember that one time when God asked me a question and he said I got it right? You know, like, I'm going to be telling that story a lot because God just told me I got an answer right for him, and I'm just stopping there. Like, I'm on, I'm on top of the world. But this lawyer, he couldn't stop there. He was out to prove a point. He was out to make his case known. And he had to push it one step farther. Again, he's got Jesus on trial here. He's got him on the witness stand. And in verse 29, he says this. But, but the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And who is my neighbor? Right? This is the lawyer looking for that loophole. He knows he's supposed to love his neighbor, right? He he's got the answer down: love Jesus with every, love God with everything that I have, with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, with all my strength, and love my neighbor and myself. But it never defines in the Bible who my neighbor is. So he's seeing this is a gray area. This is a loophole. Maybe he went out and did some research. You know, maybe he's like, "Hey, Jesus." Uh, you know, I went up and I surveyed 100 people and they all came back and I said, who's your neighbor? And they all told me, well, it's the Smiths next door and it's the Johnsons across the street. So, you know, therefore, I've, I've come to decide that my neighbor only means it has to be the people on my street. You know, and if I just love the people on my street, I can go off and I can, I can be mean to whoever else I want to. You know, if they don't look like me, if they don't sound like me, if they come from a different culture, if they come from a different town, I'm good. Because, you know, 95% of people would call their neighbor, their next-door neighbor. So let's, let's define my neighbor. And he's trying to, to justify himself, to justify that, that everything, that he can be mean to whoever he wants to be so long as he loves his physical neighbors. And he's trying to catch Jesus in that. So again, this question's a set up. This question was to confirm that his interpretation of the law was correct, that he could justify the way that he lived his life. Have you ever tried to justify your own bad behavior before? We do it all the time. It's like we've got a little lawyer in our head that's trying to justify why we're right and everybody else is wrong. It's trying to justify how we can get away with bad behavior because, you know, no one will see it, or, you know, if I just do it once, it's not that bad, or if it doesn't hurt anybody, then it's okay, or nothing, nothing's wrong if I just have a, a little fun, or, uh, you know, I give enough money, I do enough good things, so if I, you know... Take a little; it's going to be okay. If I I've put enough good things into the the piggy bank to take a little, I've got a little credit, you know, that I can take out, and it's going to be okay, right? And we try to justify ourselves. I think one of my favorite justifications that I often give will be uh, it'll be breakfast time, and and I'll see a piece of cake over there, you know, from the day before, and it's like, you know what? That's got it's got flour, it's got eggs, it's got milk, you know, it's got a lot of it's got a lot of breakfast foods in there, so. I'm going to justify. That's breakfast today. You guys ever done something? You know, and we, and we try to justify our bad behavior. We know it's wrong. We know it's wrong. But, but we try to pass it off as, but, you know, it's passable and it can be right for me. And the reason why we justify our bad behavior is because we, we don't like change. We don't want to change. We, we don't want to give up. Uh, We don't want to give up those sins. We don't want to apologize. We like the way we're living. We're comfortable in that. And if we would give it up and we would go down the right path and do it the right way, it's going to be more difficult and it's going to be painful. And we just don't want to change. So this is the difficult question that Jesus gets asked. Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? It was a loaded question. And this is where Jesus uses the parable to help refocus the lawyer's question to take this superficial question and instead look at the heart of the matter. Because Jesus was, he was an expert at looking at people's hearts. The lawyer was an expert at the law, but Jesus was an expert at looking at people's hearts. And, And so he tells this story in verse 30. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road and Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. So here you have uh, a Jewish man, and, and he's traveling on the road, and he's ambushed, you know, by Roberts. Uh, he's beaten. He, he's stripped of his clothing. Uh, he, he's robbed, and he's left for dead. And he didn't do anything wrong, just wrong place, wrong time. And now he's on the, the side of the road, maybe even unrecognizable. He, he's beaten up, and he's hurt and now people are passing him and before maybe we we don't know much about this guy maybe he was a man of great status maybe he was maybe he was a priest maybe maybe he was a great businessman maybe he was uh part of the royal family I, I don't know who it was we don't know who it was but but now he's unrecognizable he has no status he 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 could be uh the richest man in the world or he could be the poorest man in the world you'd never know because he's just broken and hurting on the side of the road with, with nothing to his name at this point. All you could see was a man who was a mess, who was dying, and who was in pain. And so the first person to cross paths with this man was a priest. Now, if anyone to cross paths with this man, he was probably, you know, your first choice would maybe be like a doctor, EMT, but second choice would definitely be the priest, You know, this was somebody who's dedicated their lives to to helping people, to to trying to honor God, and and this priest comes by, and you think, surely the priest would stop and help him. That's Jesus is talking to a bunch of Jewish people, and they're all thinking like, okay, this man's in a bad, he's in trouble, but the priest is coming, and everything's going to be okay, because they've never heard this story before. This is a new one to them. They're not sure which way it's going to go, so they think, all right, it's going to be good. The priest is going to come. He's going to save the day. He's going to rescue this person. But instead it says when the priest saw this man, and it says that he did see him, he decided to go on the opposite side and, and keep walking by. Now it doesn't tell us what went through the priest's mind, but I, I wonder how did the priest justify himself and think that this was okay? You know, what, what was going through his brain? You know, maybe he thought, all right, I see that guy over there. He's pretty hurt and he's pretty broken, he's pretty beat up. I could help him. But at the same time, Maybe maybe he can't see me, you know. Maybe maybe he saw so his eyes are swollen shut or something over there. And if I just if I just walk quietly by him, you know, nobody nobody else is around here. I should be good. If I just walk quietly by him, he won't even notice that I was here, and and I'll be free of of any of that guilt. Uh, I can't be held accountable. So maybe he justified it as nobody's going to know, nobody's going to see. Uh, maybe he justified it because he thought, you know what. I'm going down this road, and I've got a lot of people to help today. You know, I'm the priest, and I've got to oversee these sacrifices. I've got to go, you know, whatever he's doing. And he starts to do the math, and he's like, I've got 100 people that I need to help today. And if I stop and help just one person, and who knows? Maybe they're beyond help. Maybe I can't save them. Maybe maybe I can't do anything. uh, But I know that I can go help 100, so I'm going to pass up this one for the greater good. You know, and he justifies himself. Or maybe he justifies himself because, uh, you know, these are new robes. And uh, I've ruined my last pair. And the high priest, he's really going to be upset if I get down and help this guy. I get some blood on these things. And, you know, I, I'm going to get messy if I go down and I help this guy. So I, I just need to call this whole thing off. And we don't know how he justified himself. But, but somewhere in his mind, he was, he was sitting there playing that game. I, I can't do that. So then it said the next to cross paths with the man was, was a Levite. And a Levite, again, he was, he was of the tribe of the priests. So I don't maybe he was a priest, maybe he wasn't. But, but he knew that culture. He knew that lifestyle. He, he, he knew what it meant to, to serve God. And so this man would also be a prime candidate to stop and, and help this unfortunate man. But the same thing happened. He just, he just walked on by. Just walked on by. He knew what was right to do. He knew it was right to stop and help him, but he just walked on by. And there's a verse in the Bible that some days I wish I hadn't memorized. You guys ever have a verse in the Bible like that? It's just like, it convicts me so much and so often. And it's like, God, why do, why do you keep bringing that verse back up? Like, if I just wouldn't have read it, I would have been just fine. I would have been ignorant. I would have been happy. And, uh, but no, God keeps bringing this verse back up, and, it, and, it's, and it's for a good thing. It's for a good thing. Because... It always comes up when I'm sitting there and I notice something that needs to get done. Or I see somebody who, who needs help. Maybe maybe a situation like this, maybe not as extreme, but, but I see something that needs to get done. And I think to myself, Well, I, I can't do that, you know. I'm too busy. I've got a lot of things to do. I mean, I know it's a good thing, but I'm just too busy. Or I'm too tired, you know, I'm just I I can't go and, you know, fold the laundry today. I know it's there. Maybe if I just pretend like Nobody saw it. Uh, I can just move beyond it, and it's going to be just fine. I don't need to help that person. You know, I see they're stuck in the ditch, but somebody else will help them. Somebody else will do it. It's somebody else's job. This, that job's beneath me, right? You guys have been there. You've probably made those arguments. I, I make those arguments in my mind, and I'm thinking, how can I get out of this? But then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes back, and he reminds me of this verse, James 4, 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. Man, that's convicting. Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. That's a tough one. Again, that's one of those verses like, God, why did I ever have to learn that one? Because I would have been off the hook if I just didn't know it. So now you guys are all, you're all on the hook. You know it now, all right? Sorry, you got to join the team. Uh, so if we know to do good and we don't do it, the Bible defines that as Sin. And I don't want to pass up doing good because I'm too busy, because I'm too tired, because I think somebody else can do it, because I think it's beneath me. Like, I don't want to sin. I don't want to dishonor God because of my own pride, because of my own laziness, because I'm, I'm too busy. Like, I, I want to honor God in everything I do, right? So these men, I mean, they had to feel guilty. I wonder what they felt like afterwards, the priest and the Levite, knowing they could have helped somebody and they didn't. But the one thing in common about both of these men is that they noticed. They noticed. They saw the need. They saw the pain. And they knew what was right. But instead, they ignored the Holy Spirit and they walked on by. Church, we can't ignore the Holy Spirit. We we can't ignore that conviction on our lives. We we need to notice things. We need to see things because we, we live in a broken and hurting world. We live a bro- in a broken and hurting world, and we need to start noticing the pain of other people around us. We need to start seeing uh, the lost, and we need to start seeing the broken. Because I think at one time or another, all of us, we've been that broken, hurting person on the side of the road. You know, and we've just been dying on the inside. And, and we've, maybe you've experienced pain or loneliness or depression, I don't know, but we've all been there. We, we've all or if you haven't one day we will because we, we're human beings and we go through those dark times We may not, not be a physical need, but it maybe it's an emotional need and often in our culture today We try to mask it, you know, we try to say, "No, everything's okay yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, everything's going good. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing I'm doing excellent. I'm doing awesome you know, but then the moment you get behind closed doors, the moment, you know, you you feel like you're alone, then all of a sudden the emotions come out, the anger comes out, the loneliness comes out, and, and it's just, you let it fly. And you try not to show it to anybody else. You try to pretend and you try to put on a face, try to put on a mask like everything's okay. But the reality is there's there's broken and hurting people everywhere. go. There's broken and hurting people in this room this morning. And so that's why we need to Notice people. We need to care for people. We need to treat people with kindness because we just never know what the person going person next to us is going through. You know, we see suicide, we see abuse, we see self-harm, we see all these things on the rise in our country. And let's let's be a difference maker in that. Let's notice people, let's care for people. Let's care for people. You know, my prayer is this: God. God, help me notice people. God, help me notice people. Help me to see beyond the exterior, and help me to see people the way that you see people. Help me to see the hurt and the pain in the people around us. God, help me to see the hurt and the pain in the people around us. I don't want to just go through another day and and just sit there and be content with talking with people about the weather and how cold it is outside or how hot, you know, fill in the blank. But God, help me to see through those things. Give me discernment to see when people are having a, a, a bad day, to see when people are, are feeling lonely in the inside so I can be a friend to that person, so I can love that person, so I can reach out to that person. That's my prayer. And I pray that's your prayer as well. See, the next up was a Samaritan. Now, this was the last person in the world that this guy on the side of the road wanted to come his way. This was the last person that the Jewish audience that was listening to Jesus' parable that day, this was the last person that they ever thought could be the hero of the story. Because after all, to them, the, the Samaritans, they were bad guys. They were the enemies. In fact, they viewed them as less than human. Like that's, that was their view of the Samaritans. Nothing good can, can come from Samaria. Nothing good can come out of these Samaritans. And to say the word good followed by Samaritan, would be just unbelievable. It would be incomprehensible. Good and Samaritan, they can't go together. It's an oxymoron. That would be like saying delicious spam. I mean, they just don't go together. One can't describe the other. You can't have a good Samaritan. But Jesus goes on to tell them that not only did the Samaritan notice, but he had compassion. He had compassion. And he gave him first aid and, and, and he, he bound up his wounds and, and then he gave of his limited resources. He, he, he used the, the oil and the wine that he had with there to, to, to ease his pain, to help him out. And he took the man on his own animal and he took him to town. He went out of his way. And he took his time. We don't know what he was doing, but that wasn't on his agenda that day. And he took his time and he brought him to the inn. He brought him to a place to get help. And not only that, but he covered, he paid for it all. He paid for all of his expenses. See, not only did he notice the man's pain, but he went out of his way and he gave of his own resources to help this man. A man who wasn't from his culture, who didn't believe the same things as he did. A man who didn't see eye to eye with him. It didn't matter to him. He saw a man in need. He noticed a problem. He noticed something good for him to do, and he did it. So Jesus, when he finishes this story, he turns to the lawyer, you know, who's trying to trap him, who's trying to trick him, who's trying to find that loophole and justify himself, and he turns to him in verse 36. Jesus says, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The lawyer said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. So, Jesus, through this story, he, he refocuses the question that the lawyer asks. I mean, he reframes it. The lawyer asks, Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And, and Jesus, he, he flips it. And don't worry about who your neighbor is, but are you a good neighbor? And that's the question, yes. Are you a good neighbor? And that's the question we've got to ask ourselves. It doesn't matter who our neighbor is because the answer to that question if Jesus were just to honestly answer that question It would be like everyone is your neighbor forget about the physical location the question you should ask is that person made in the image of God and the answer is yes if they are made in the image of God they are your neighbor they are a human being, they are your neighbor. It doesn't matter, you know, what they look like. It doesn't matter their culture. It doesn't matter if they're weird. It doesn't matter if they believe what you believe. It doesn't matter if they speak the same language. It doesn't even matter if they're a Packers fan. If they are a human being, they're made in the image of God. They're your neighbor. It doesn't matter if you don't see eye to eye with them. You don't need to worry about who your neighbor is. All you need to worry about is do you love people? Do you love people? Do you treat everybody like your neighbor? Because if you do that, that's when you got love your neighbor as yourself down. That's that's when you're listening because you love all people. Now clearly this was a struggle for the lawyer. Because after Jesus tells this story, he can't even bring himself to say the name Samaritan. Like he can't he doesn't say, you know, when Jesus says, "Who which of these three? He doesn't say, "Well, the Samaritan, he was the good neighbor." No, he he says the one who showed him mercy, right? He can't even bring himself to say Samaritan. It's just a bad taste in his mouth. And there was a bitterness that you could see that was on the inside of this lawyer, on this expert in the law, and it had hardened his heart. You know, he, he could say, God, I'm going to love you with everything that I have, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. And God, I'm going I'm to love my neighbor who, who lives next door to me, or God, I'm even going to extend it to my own town. Right? I'm going to love anybody who lives in my town, maybe even anybody who lives in my own country or who belongs to my people. But God, I'm not going to love anybody else. You can't love God if you don't love people. You can't love God if you can't stand his creation. Like Those two don't work. So if we truly want to love God, I mean, that's what we're all about here at this church. Love God, love people, and share Christ. And, and guys, if we can't get number two down, then there's no way we can get number one down. We need both of them. We love God by loving people around us, by being kind to the people uh, around us. Picture yourself today as the man on the side of the road, the man left for dead. You know, in that moment, you would care less about the race, uh, about the culture. You'd care less about the beliefs of your rescuer. All that you care about is that you have a rescuer. Like, that that would be the most important thing. Like I'm going to put all of my preconceived ideas, uh, I'm going to you know, put all my prejudices aside, and I am just going to pray for a Savior today. right? And that's all that man was. And, and here's the thing, there's people who are dying and they're going to hell all over our world. And even worse, in our own backyard, there's people who are doing that, people right here in our community. And how often do we look the other way? How often we, do we become the priest or the Levite who tries to justify ourselves and try to say... <laughs> That's it. I'm too busy today. Somebody else will do it. No, we need to take personal ownership of the lost in our community. We need to take personal ownership of this world of knowing, man, there are people out there who are dying. There are people out there who are hurting. And God, wake me up to that reality and help me to do something about it. I don't want to live a day and just go by and say, you know what, it's somebody else's. God, help me to stop justifying myself. Help me to stop making excuses. God, help me to see people the way that you see people. This is why we need to be focused on not who is my neighbor, but am I a good neighbor? Am I a good neighbor? Worship team, would you come up? See, today you may feel like that man on the side of the road. You may feel hurt and broken like you've been beat up, like this world has chewed you up and spit you out, and you feel lost. You feel like there, there's no help. But I want to let you know today, if, if that's you, if you're going through that pain today, that Jesus knows your pain. Jesus knows what you're going through. I and mean, Jesus was, he was abandoned and he was betrayed by his closest friends, by the disciples. The majority of them turned their back. One of them even turned him in. The same people who sang Jesus' praises one week, the next week, cried out, crucify him. He endured a torturous death on a cross. And the most painful part for him of all wasn't wasn't the physical pain, but the fact that he took all the sin of all the world on him. And for the first time ever, he experienced separation from his father. And he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he died on that cross going through pain today, if you feel all alone, if you feel like no one understands you, Jesus understands you. Jesus knows what you're going through. Jesus knows your pain. He's been there. The good news today is that Jesus didn't stay in that grave. He rose again. And he overcame sin and he overcame death. And like the good Samaritan, Jesus comes to free you today. Jesus comes to bind up your wounds and and to heal you and to bring you freedom like you've never experienced before. And he can restore your relationships. He can heal you not just physically, but he can heal your emotional wounds. He can forgive you of your sins. He can make you clean, and he can make you new. And you have that ability to reach out to him today, to call out to that Savior. And he's going to come and save you and, and restore you beyond your imagination. today for all of us, my prayer is that you take away this. God, help us to notice the hurting and broken people around us. We've all been through pain, so let's not pretend like it's not there, like everybody's just okay. Help us to notice the broken and hurting people around us. All All three of them did that. The priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan, they all noticed the pain but let's take it to another level. God, help us to have compassion. Help us to make a difference. Help us to do something and not just stay on the sidelines. Make that your prayer today. So would you stand with me? We're going we're gonna to close with this song. In these altars, I encourage you, come down and find a place. My prayer is just going to be, God, help me to notice broken people. Help me to do something about it. You know, today, Maybe you're that broken person and you just need freedom. You need, you need salvation. You need a savior. Uh, come and find me at this altar. I want to pray with you. Uh, I, I, I want to I pray with you and, and answer any questions you might have because God wants to, to do the impossible in your life, something that you can't do on your own. You can't get out of that pit on your own. No amount of uh, self-help books is going to get you out of that pit. But Jesus can. He's your rescuer today. So I encourage you over this next song, we've, we've got time. But let's just take these next few moments together. Find a place at this altar. And, and let's just lift up the name of Jesus. Let's go to him. And, and let's let our hearts be broken for this world around us. So Jesus, we come to you. Break our hearts. God, help us to see people the way you see people. Help us to see people the way you see people. We see through the the disguise. We see through the mask. And and God, help us to have compassion on people the way the Good Samaritan did. Help us to have compassion the way that you had compassion on people. Everywhere you went, you had compassion. Change our hearts today. Change our focus. Refocus us today as you did to this lawyer, God, in, in this parable. We trust in you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's go after God together. God, we know that you're the answer for this broken world. God, you're the answer. We've got it. But God, we can't keep it to ourselves. Lord, help us to see people who need the answer, people who need your healing. God, when you come in, when you restore, you don't just touch one part of us, God, but it's everything, every, every part of our lives. God, you're the answer for everything. Not Not just for salvation, but God, for for healing, for freedom, for relation. God, you're the answer. May we not keep that to ourselves. But God, everywhere we go, may may it flow out of us. May it overflow to other people. Help us to notice people. Give us compassion. We want to live differently. God, we want to live differently. We want to live more like you make us more like you today oh, jesus i pray that you would be with this this church god this this body of believers who've been called together to worship you god i, I pray that you would be with us god as we go out into our communities in the aberdeen the surrounding towns and, and go all over this week may we not just be the church in this building but God, may we be the church out there. That's where you've called us to be, the church. May we be, may we be the church to our, our neighbors next door. May we be the church to the people we see at work. God, may we be the, the church to the people we, we stand in line behind the grocery store. God, may we be the church wherever we go. So God, may, may your anointing be on these people. God, may your blessing and your favor be on these people. God, help us to see people the way you see people. Break our hearts. Break our hearts for lost and hurting people all around us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you still need time, just uh, don't leave. Uh, if, if God hasn't, if He's not done with you yet. Take some time around these altars. We'll still have music playing, and uh, but have a great weekend. If God.